welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that everything is energy, and that energy is interconnected and interdependent. That energy is just one thing. Now, ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. So science is just now catching up, but it's not new science. This science of quantum mechanics, quantum physics is actually over a hundred years old. So it's something that should be more mainstream by now. But in truth, what you do to another person you're, you are literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is Soul Proof with Dr. Mark Pitstick. Welcome, Mark, to Awake to Oneness Radio. Thank you, Caroline. My pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. And I would like you to share, I know a little bit, but not much. I know a little bit about your work. work. Um, I have had Gary Schwartz on the on Awake to Oneness Radio a couple of years ago, maybe two and a half years ago. So um, a little bit familiar with the Soul Foam Foundation, but you, I want you to share with my listeners who you are, how you came to do the wonderful work that you're doing, and Share with us all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, good question. Uh, when I was six years old, I was showing my parents a beautiful sunset. Um, rather, my parents were showing it to me, and I told them it reminded me of God. And they only told me that 20 years later when I was in theology school. Now, mm-hmm. I was brought up a Lutheran. There was really, you know, it was always God the Father this and God the Father that. So there's really no reason I would equate a beautiful sunset with uh, the creator, unless perhaps I remembered uh, at least some of that. Throughout my life, I felt uh, a bit like a stranger in a strange land. I was different. I um, would catch myself meditating, whether it was throwing a rubber ball against the steps, you know, for hours and just thinking like my mind was a hundred miles away. And um, even though I played a lot of sports and so on, I learned how to fit in. Um, I would, during big football games, for example, I would think, well, you know, if we would just spend a tenth of the time, money, and energy we're spending on this stupid game, in a way, to feed the poor, uh, think how much better the world would be. So not your average thoughts for a 12-year-old. When I was 19, I started working in hospitals part-time as a respiratory therapist as I worked my way through pre-med and the rest of my training. And Um, was uh, trained to do things that only doctors can do now, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, uh, putting a breathing tube down to the lungs, arterial blood gas punctures, etc. And so at a very young age was around lots of suffering and dying, including little children. And it drove me to my knees. And I actually went through a period of being a agnostic for a while or even atheist because I couldn't um, understand how um, all caring, all knowing, all powerful God uh, could fit in with some of the tortures I was seeing. Um, And so I went to theology school next after that and then clinical uh, psychology and then chiropractic to assemble a holistic healthcare practice to help people um, fine-tune themselves and be able to understand these deep underlying answers and not only understand it, but then to to demonstrate it, to reflect that. Now, um, okay, um, I want to take you back a little bit because um, I understand exactly how you feel when you're seeing so much suffering at a young age and you're like, I mean, a lot of people have that thought. We say God is all love, you know, how does God allow this suffering? So, but, and then there was a a time in your life where you said you became like agnostic or even atheist. So where would that jump? There's like a jump, like, where did you, how did you end up going to theology school after feeling so, you know, kind of divorced of God? Sure. Yeah. Great great question. Um, 
That is because I wanted to find out for myself the underlying answers to what was being taught in at least Protestant uh, Christianity as a Methodist theological school. And so I went there with a long list of questions. For example, when I was a kid, uh, this phrase never sent, made sense to me. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. I thought, wait a minute, you know, I don't fear my parents. Isn't God at least as loving as they are? You know, why should I fear God? Well, I found out that that word fear could have just as easily been translated um, respect. I was like, okay, well, that's a whole different story. Yeah, I respect, but I don't fear. Uh, same way with things like hell. Um, the idea of a fiery eternal hell from a loving God, no matter what any of us do, never made sense at all, even as a 10-year-old. And when I walked in the theology school, the very first day, I went to the library, and there sitting on the, the shelf of new releases was a book called Hell No, by, uh, by Reverend, Reverend Robert Love, was his real last name. And he discussed that topic throughout and all kinds of scripture that supported the idea of uh, it could be looked at as a temporary separation from God, that, that hell is, um, just as the near-death experiences show, how we feel when we have our life review, and we see and feel the good or bad we did to others. But it was never meant as a uh, fiery place of eternal torment until the dark ages and the, the big building campaigns. And it, it was uh, an excellent way to collect money and build power and control. I, I love that you said that. I so love that because I, I didn't go to theology school, but the whole I went to I was sent to Catholic school from the time I was five, um, from kindergarten to fifth grade. I was in Catholic school and there was a religion every day. Never resonated with me. And but I was brought I was brought up in the mid sixties. My parents were very strict. My father said children are to be seen and not heard. So even though I'm being taught all this stuff that my soul and spirit at a five years old saying no way. You know, just not working. This is not working for me. I couldn't ask questions about it. I wasn't, my parents weren't open to me asking questions. And so I had to wait till I was old enough to actually do some research of my own. But I love what you said, because I say so many times, there is so much, I believe, truth in the Bible, but the way it's misinterpreted, mistranslated, and, and you know, used for control, and all of that, it's just, so I'm so glad someone that actually went to theology school discovered that early on. <laughs> yeah, I took a year and a half of biblical history, and at the very end, uh, the lead professor said, so as you can conclude after all of these studies, the message of Christianity needs to be taken by faith, because there is very little concrete evidence about it. We also learned that messages had been changed mightily over the millennia, uh, deleted, added, mistranslated, misinterpreted, especially across the language bridge from Aramaic to Hebrew, Greek, English. And so, um, yeah, I encourage people to read the Bible and other uh, holy books, but also read it with their personal relationship with God in mind. And when you come upon a statement, you know, like Jesus, I will slay them with a sword in my mouth. And it's like, okay, did Jesus really say there? Did they make that up? You know, <laughs> it, it's pretty easy to decide. Yes, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think there's some pearls of wisdom in the Bible, but the way it's kind of being taught from the pulpit of, traditional Christianity, um, yeah, I, I say the same thing. I say to people, you know, read it um, and, and with your heart and with your knowing inside because all answers can be found, I believe, my perspective. Um, things that resonate with me as true. That's, that people will ask me, well, how do you know something's true? I say if it resonates in my heart, not my head, but my heart. And that's how I, I, I go with my heart. Yeah, and the third component I would add to that would be 
<clears throat> how does it resonate with contemporary knowledge? For example, you mentioned quantum physics, I mentioned near-death experiences, what they report. And so many of them who had documented experiences, that is their consciousness obviously continued while they're clinically dead. They accurately reported details that occurred outside the hospital on other floors and so on. Uh, and they come back and say what? We each are one with the one and part of source energy. So that's that reminds me of things like I and the Father are one, and so are you if you realize it. Exactly. Uh, you know, we, we live in an exciting time now. Yes, so that is so true. And I say that a lot. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. But he never said, you are not. You know, he, Jesus was 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 showing us an example of who we are, and he knew who he was. And in the his day, he tried to share it. I think a lot of it got misinterpreted, but he never said, "I'm the only one that is one with the Father." He said, "I and my Father are one." He never said, "You're not one with the Father." I believe we are all one with the Father. Yeah, and it gets even better. Um, certain cultures, for example, Native American cultures, I have a couple of dear friends who are teachers, and uh, I live in Southern Ohio, as we mentioned, which is where Shawnee tribes lived, and they had a tremendous, uh, tremendously developed cosmology. Well, they have stories passed on through oral traditions for thousands of years about visits by a Jesus-like figure um, for example, they called the Raven story. They described him as a fair skin, a pale skin stranger with holes in his moccasins. Mm -hmm. And he taught things that very much resonate the, you know, uh, love one another, serve each other, the golden rule and so on. And I told that uh, story once to a, a large group. And this person came up to me afterwards and said, um, they live in the Scandinavian country. And there was a similar story like that in the oral tradition. And another said there is a similar story in Africa. So yes. this is the sort of thing that gives us the idea of the, the universal impact of the message of Jesus and other great teachers, yes. you know, not just for a few people in that time and place. Exactly. Very, very, very true. I believe that if you research all major religions, you will find oneness and the golden rule at the core, unconditional love. And Jesus said, uh, love God as your, uh, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe Jesus said that because he knew your neighbor was yourself. There was no separation between the two. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I wonder if your um, listeners, Caroline, would enjoy hearing about the soul phone. Definitely, uh, definitely. But before we jump, we definitely want to get there. <laughs> okay. I kind of want to take us along more. Kinda, okay. So you went to theology school, and I'm glad that you discovered all of those wonderful um, revelations about the misconceptions that... Um, has been known to in Christianity. Um, but okay, so from there, um, how did you get involved with the work of the cell phone? Because we know the cell phone is communicating with our loved ones on the other side. So before, how did you how did you come to do that kind of work? Sure. Um, it it grew over the years, as I mentioned, age 19, 20. Um, when all that happened, I've spent the rest of my life, that's been 46 years now, searching for answers. Um, and that's how I wrote books. I would keep cardboard boxes. And every time I thought of something or read something, I would put it in the box. And when I had boxes overflowing, I thought there was a book in there. <laughs> uh, and next, I got a master's in clinical psychology and practiced as a counselor for a couple years. And then realized I wanted, um, a doctorate degree, but in holistic healthcare, and one with a spiritual um, theme as well. And chiropractic at the time was the only one. I was have also practiced yoga and mm -hmm. meditation for 45 years. And uh, chiropractic was very similar. That is alignment and flexibility of the spine to allow optimal energy flow. 
whether you want to call it kundalini and the Hindu model or bioenergy and Western medicine. Mm -hmm. They also talked about, and this is in the late 1800s, these chiropractic philosophers, they said the goal of, of chiropractic is to unite man, the physical, with man, the spiritual. Mm. They said another name for the creative intelligence, another name for God, was universal intelligence. And that each one of us has a spark of that within that they termed innate intelligence. Mm. And that's what they said can heal us, knows what to do if we remove the interferences to that, whether that's pressure on the spinal cord or too many chemicals in the diet or um, old wounds that haven't been released, et cetera. They, they recognize the involvement of structural, nutritional, and emotional um, blocks even then. So I was very impressed by that. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, so now let's dive in. Soul phone. <laughs> yeah. Over the years, um, I, I wrote the book Soul Proof, yes. all the evidence I could find, and uh, gravitated now or six, seven years ago to being in a, uh, the vice president for a group called Eternia, started mm -hmm. by uh, Dr. Evan Alexander and John Audette. Okay. And Dr. Schwartz was the chairperson uh, of this group. And uh, as Calm Gary, we hit it off wonderfully. It seemed like we were kindred spirits. And um, I have hosted two radio shows over the years. One was called Ask the Soul Doctors. Mm -hmm. And Gary was on my uh, show along with other wonderful names. Yes. Well, after that, we really realized we were barking up the same tree on the same mission. And he asked me then to join him on the Soul Phone Project. He yes. describes himself as a boring scientist in the weeds of uh, research. And it's true. It's very tedious, very demanding. Uh, and he realized he needed someone to be a spokesperson to share with the world what he has been proving, what the experiments show, and so on. So we've been working together now about three years, mm -hmm. wrote a book together called Greater Reality Living. But the soul phone, yeah, I mean, this, this is such great news. I mean, if this didn't transform you, nothing will. Um, clearly shows now, we can say in 2019, for the first time in history, that we have definitive scientific demonstration that life continues after bodily death. This is so great. This is so great. I just, I have to share with you, guess where I was last week? I'm afraid to guess. <laughs> the Ions Convention. Yes. And uh, Eben Alexander was mm -hmm. one of the speakers. Susan Giesman, who I know is also uh, very close with Gary. That's actually how I discovered uh, Gary was through Suzanne. Mm -hmm. Suzanne was a guest. And through, I, I had never heard of this electronic voice phenomena. Suzanne gifted me a reading on my son. My son is in spirit. He's been in spirit now five years. And this was two, two and a half years ago. So Suzanne gifted me a reading on his birthday. And he, my son's name is Kyle. He literally tried to speak through her computer, through Zoom. And we have his voice on tape. And that was the first time in the hundreds of readings that Suzanne does. That was the first time that we weren't trying to do EVP. I had never heard of it, and she wasn't trying to do it. It just happened. So yeah. believe me, I'm a believer. <laughs> I have the physical proof. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm sorry about your son. I'm on the board of Helping Parents Heal. Yes. We know about that group. HelpingParentsHeal.org. Yes. I'm yes. not a bereaved parent, but having worked with so many parents over the years, I have a sense what it's like. However, I'm glad that you know that, number one, he's alive and well. Two, yes. he's communicating with you. Yes. And also that there is a greater meaning behind even that. There's a rhyme and a reason for it, even though we may only glimpse it slightly. Yes. Uh, so the EVP is impressive. However, the EVP I've seen, it can, it can come and go. It may happen or it may not. Some of the verbal recordings are darn near unintelligible. 
and that's why they often put a closed caption out so they can tell you what it, they're saying. Right. For the cell phone is to have a 99% reliable, much like a cell phone, you know, so yes. you can pick it up and make the call. But here's where we're at now. Um, and I say we because I've actually been involved in the research helping Dr. Schwartz. I've yes. spent a lot of time in Tucson at the University of Arizona. Right now we have what's called the the sole switch, the first sole phone device. It's a binary indicator. It allows a yes or no answer. Okay. <clears throat> and we actually have two different types of switch switches that what we call post-material persons. That's our favorite term for those who passed on because it turns out they are people. They oh, yes. are, or at least can be, every bit as physical as we. And so we don't favor the word spirit so much because that conjures up connotations of an ethereal ghost, you know, kind of like Casper the Friendly Ghost <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, but it turns out that the only thing they lose is their earth suit their yes. their human form uh, but they have a different type of body they have their memory they have their preferences their sense of humor uh, their intelligence etc everything yes. Yes. Um, and that's important so we've had hundreds and hundreds of experiments showing then that these post-material persons can use this device to answer yes or no we can confirm who's involved by what's called personal identification test, ask a series of questions, for example, uh, with your son and Kyle. Uh, let's say that the the medium who is setting that up, and, and Suzanne Giesman is one of the, the 10 mediums that works closely with Gary. Uh, let's say the medium says, okay, we have your son coming in on this day at this time. Well, but we want to make sure. Uh, yes. so is your first name Kyle? The answer should be yes. So that depending on how and whether they touch the instrument, it signals a yes and no answer. Okay. Is your last name Pitstick? The answer should be no. Did you have a dog of this name when you were a little boy? You know, depending if you did or didn't. And ask a series of questions, some of which only close family members would know. Right. And that's one way to show. Then there's another test called the cognitive understanding, where a series of photos can be showed. Uh, is this um, you when you were a little boy? Is this a photo of you? Yes, if it was. No, if it's a stranger. Mm -hmm. Were you present at our birthday party last week? Again, if, it, if the birthday party really occurred, the answer should be yes. If it's a fake family or if it happened 10 years ago, the answer should be no. Yeah. And so through this series of tests, then, we have a very good way to confirm it is who they say they are and also to demonstrate at least rudimentary communication that they remember events that happened, they remember people and, and places, they remember the language, and they are keeping in touch. Now, they still want to be part of the family. Yes. So <clears throat> up till now, we had beliefs about that, we had hopes, we had some evidence, but now we have the first definitive scientific demonstrations. Awesome. That is powerful. That is wonderful. So, um, so like, how can like anybody like get involved? Like if someone wanted to, like, if I wanted to contact Kyle that way. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, we're not at that point yet for okay. people to have individual sessions. The, okay. um, now I'm glad you're asking the question. First of all, people can learn more about this, the website, soulphone.org yes. and explains about it. The We're working on right now what's called the stage three practical prototype, which should be 99% accurate, instant yes, no answers. However, even for that, we don't foresee that as a commercializable device present for the masses. What we do plan on is rather quickly, probably within six months after we have that stage three uh, uh, switch mm -hmm. is to create a sole keyboard. Okay. Uh, if you look at your laptop in front of you, that's about 43 keys. And okay. if you're pushing the L key, for example, that's a yes for L, that's no for everything else. So that a series of these sole switches, and Dr. Schwartz uh, anticipates it'll be about four feet wide, three feet deep. 
Uh, and they'll ha so they'll have to kind of hunt and peck in the beginning, but right. we'll allow then texting and typing with our post-material loved ones. Wow, that's amazing. And I, you know, I so, so see this happening in, this, in the sense that, okay, just imagine, oh, 20 years ago, 25, 50 years ago, um, when I was a child, there was no such thing as a um, personal computer laptop. I can talk, you're in Ohio, I'm in Pennsylvania. I can talk to you face to face a few years ago. I mean, the technology just in such a short span of time has exploded. Uh, uh, and we're talking, but so I easily see this. I mean, I think about the Wright brothers when you know people would call their them crazy you know and now everybody's flying around above our heads you know so it's i so see us communicating very soon with our loved well, ones you're you're evolved and you're a visionary unfortunately not everyone is that way but there are enough people and it's interesting you bring up the right brothers because that's a metaphor we use mm -hmm. uh, we say, i think it was 1903 the first flight occurred it lasted 18 seconds and then it crashed. And, but the, the five people who were there that day at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, right. knew that human flight was possible, but right. it wasn't practical at all. Well, we're at a similar point now. We know that life continues after bodily death and we communicate with those who have passed on. Right. Um, but now the, the next task is to create a practical device that allows us to be used by lots of people. Yes, yes, I agree. And I do understand. Um, I know just there's, there's so much evidence. I mean, with like I said, I was just at a conference with almost 95% of the people there, not just the speakers, but the, the attendees were people that had near-death experiences that technically died and came back. Yeah, and we we're taught only Jesus did that. <laughs> These people technically died. They're, they had no vital sign. You know, Eben Alexander, his um, book, um, the first book, book was Proof of Heaven. I was reading that when my son was still alive. He almost passed twice in 2011, and he actually transitioned in 2014. But in 2011, I was reading um, Dr. Eben's um, book. And then, uh, so you were talking about there's a deeper meaning to these transitions, like my son's transition. I believe it was a soul plan between my son and myself. I was reading Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift by um, Robert Schwartz, who wrote that. And he was my very first guest on my show when I was inspired to launch my show six months after my son's transition. I know there is no death. I know it in my heart. And there's so much, I mean, evidence and proof, people that have gone to the other side and come back. I mean, communicating with your loved ones, with credible mediums like Suzanne Giesman. I mean, there's just, the proof is overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, as we both know, life on earth can be difficult. And it's discouraging. I mean, we 2019 and we still have all the racial strife and ignorance and prejudice. I mean, I grew up in a uh, neighborhood that was 50% 50, 50 of the people I went to school with were African-American. I walked to school holding hands because we were scared with a, a young black guy, Warren Smith, and we have our reunions. Now he's like 6'4 and towers over me. We're like, we used to walk to school holding hands, didn't we? You know, uh, and I think, really, there's still prejudice about, you know, whether it's sexual orientation or religion or whatever. Yes. Can't do better than that. But I, there are three big changes going on that give me a lot of hope. First of all, this soul phone technology, you know, yes. um, the, the proof that, that we don't really die, that we're eternal beings and all the benefits come from that. Second, as you just said, the, the huge number of near-death experiencers. I don't know if you've heard of this, but in Plato's time, there was a famous general who nearly died and then was revived. He described seeing the light, seeing our interconnection, and the wisdom of following the golden rule. Yes. Well, Plato in his wisdom proposed that in the future, 
their leaders, politicians come from the ranks of near-death experiencers. These people have literally seen the light yes. because of the enhanced wisdom they have. Well, back then in the ease, you know, resuscitation was, uh, their capabilities were very limited. Now yes. there are millions and millions of people, each one of them knowing for sure and going out and, and making the world a better place in their own way. And then the third group, and you're in this one also, are the bereaved parents. One thing I love so much about helping parents here is that yes, we provide the typical support uh, and networking as some of the other bereaved parent groups, but also helping people move toward becoming what we call shining light parents. That is realizing their kids are shining lights right now. They're living, their energy is characterized by peace, joy, love, gratitude, enthusiasm, laughter, as you said earlier, fulfillment. And the more the parents are on that wavelength, the more they can perceive their children's real presence day to day versus if they're stuck in, you know, sadness, guilt, anger, shock, they're not going to catch those daily visits. So I think between those three areas, soul phone, NDEs, and all these breed parents are waking up, I think it's a done deal. I think we're going to tip the scale in the next 10 years. Yes, yes. I like to share with you the 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 shining light parent concept came from me. <laughs> well, Suzanne, that, I thought it was from Suzanne, but go ahead. Well, I, like I well, I can tell you here's I can tell you exactly how the conversation went. My first conversation with Elizabeth. I told her I was first told about helping parents heal shortly uh, when I, after I started my radio show. And I, the reason I wasn't attracted to it then was because of the word bereaved. I, I was never bereaved. And when you, at my, it's a, I don't want to go into all the details, but the reason why I wasn't bereaved, when my son passed, I had gone through, like I said, it was two times. It was like he, he died and didn't die. And so that experience transformed my life when he did not transition and i so when he actually did transition i was at peace i was at complete peace so i was i've never been a bereaved parent so when i first was told about helping parents heal and i saw the tagline with bereaved i said hmm, this may not be for me because i'm not a bereaved parent and i i had this conversation with elizabeth she spoke and she also uh, Elizabeth felt Morgan hug her from the inside the moment he transitioned. She yeah. also was never a bereaved parent. So she took that conversation and spoke with Suzanne, and Suzanne and Giesman came up with the shining like parents. But uh, I, the, uh, truth, the truth of the conversation started with me. <laughs> yeah, well, good job. And for your listeners who don't know, we're referring to Elizabeth Boisson. Yes. The founder, along with Mark Ireland, of this yes. Helping Parents Heal group. Yes, they and they have both. They've both been guests on the show. Um, I've I've had many parents from Helping Parents Heal as guests on the show. So yes, and I I think I've shared it before, but yes, that. But Suzanne did coin the name Shining Light Parents. But the whole wow. conversation got started when I spoke to, to um, Elizabeth. Super job, well good for you. Well, picking up, you know, you'd asked about how people can have the sessions. The, yes. There's two parts of that answer right now. First of all, in February, 2020, it's only five months away, uh, we'll be starting what are called SEED events, S-E-E-D, -E okay. that stands for Soul Phone Education, Ethics, and Demonstration. And those will be day-long events. Dr. Schwartz will present uh, via teleconference, probably Zoom, about the science behind all this, the, the soul phone. Then his wife, Rhonda Schwartz, who's one of the top evidential mediums, who's been working with the A-team, uh, about 30, quote, deceased luminaries who have been feeding information to Dr. Schwartz's team for the last 10 years through these 10 mediums I mentioned. Rhonda will talk about evidential mediums, what are they, and the A-team, people like Einstein, Edison, David Bohm, and others who have <clears throat> given key bits of information that, that help 
Dr. Schwartz and his team have this breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And I will talk about greater reality living, which is our term for how people might choose to live once they really know their eternal beings. Imagine the fear of death passes. Same way with worries about seeing loved ones again, people or pets who have passed. I mean, there is none of that because you know life is forever. Yeah. Uh, so the benefits, why this is important, how we can internalize this good news more and use it to improve our lives, that of others, and our world. Then we will have a series of demonstrations. First of all, demonstrate the technology. And, you know, we don't even know what it's going to be five months from now because it improves every month, both in terms of software and hardware. Right. But wherever the the quality of the, the technology at that point, demonstrate what does it look like for a baseline. In other words, everything is just sitting there and nobody's interacting with it. And the graphs are just pretty much along the x-axis, kind of like a flat line, you know, when somebody dies with an EKG. <clears throat> Excuse me. Next, we will have a demonstration with a human attendee mm-hmm. who will go up and touch the device and then show their energy, both on an overhead screen, what does the light look like, what does the pattern, the graphs, the statistical significance. Then we will invite one of the eight team members to attend, whoever is involved at that point, mm-hmm. and they will touch the device. Now their energy is going to be less than a human's, not that it really is, but as far as we can measure with our current technology, This is interesting. In the early days, um, the energy of post-material persons was one one one-thousandth that of a human. And then a couple years ago, it went to one one one-hundredth. Well, now the latest series of experiments we've run, it's been one-tenth. And about a month ago, Susie Smith, who's one of the the A-team members, she wrote 30 different books on uh, psychic phenomenon and so on. She passed in 01. She was the A-team member involved. There was a Hollywood uh, videographer there preparing for a documentary series on the cell phone. Mm-hmm. And Susie, um, before she passed, she would often say, I can't wait to die so I can come back and mm-hmm. prove no one really dies. Yes. Well, she had her big moment. So they filmed for two and a half hours she knocked it out of the park. She um, achieved 40% of what a human did in touching this device. So again, the early experiments, one one thousandth, and with Susie, two-fifths of what a human did. That's a huge increase, and it's my hypothesis that the A-team, just as we're working here as hard and fast as we can to measure their presence, they're working together and say, How can we be more measurable? How can we get through? How can we interact with these instruments more? Mm -hmm. Super exciting stuff. So again, those seed events happening in in February. February 2020. Yes. Yes. Good. Oh, where now? Where did? Can you share that information again? Where is that going to happen? Yeah. The uh, this is all described, by the way, on on the website I mentioned, soulphone.org, mm-hmm. also greaterrealityliving.com. Okay. Uh, we'll start in Tampa, Florida, just because I don't like cold weather anymore. <laughs> and I like that you're starting on the East Coast. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's harder for me to get to the West Coast. East Coast, I can get there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we will, we will start in Florida in uh, six cities in February and March, and then we'll just go up the coast. Okay. Awesome. Uh, North, South Carolina, North Carolina, you know, probably this time next year we'll be in like Philly, Baltimore, New York, Boston. Awesome. Getting yeah. closer and closer to me. But as long as you're on the East Coast is the thing. It's just stay on mm-hmm. the East Coast. But um, uh, it's interesting. Um, I listen to a lot of channel material and I, I, I'm feeling that like you had mentioned about the uh, vibrate, everything is vibration. And you had mentioned about the parents, breed parents being at a low vibration when their child is at a high vibration and trying to reach them daily, but can't get to them. You know, you got to come up a little bit 
to meet meet them because it is all vibration. So I do believe that Gaia, Mother Earth, is a being and her vibration is rising. And as her vibration rises, our vibration rises. So I believe it's actually getting easier. They are working, our loved ones on the other side are totally working. It took a lot for Kyle to do what he did to get through on that session with Suzanne and I. Um, so I do believe they're working on their side as well as we're working on this side, but also the veil is getting thinner. Uh, the, the distance between us is getting shorter because we're raising as, as a humanity, as a, a global humanity, we are raising our vibration and that is making it easier for us to connect with them. That's my belief. Yeah, well, we're pretty much on the same page. And as the, uh, the director of the Soul Phone Foundation, I have to be careful and, and make, I can't make statements that outweigh the data, but right. I would say that I'll bet that much of what you say is true. And, you know, we're talking about higher and lower energy emotions. And I think the book Force Versus Power by David Hawkins is one of the best to explain that and objectify that but you know fear is one of the lowest energy emotions it, it hampers people so much exactly. and as a counselor and a physician i've seen numerous times over the years someone who professed to have a strong religious faith went to church two three times a week and yet when it came time for them to make that journey they were scared to death Mm -hmm. uh, I remember one woman, 90, she was like a pillar in the community, and um, her name was Mud. And I, I had an intuition that I wouldn't be seeing her again. I could see she was failing. She'd been a patient for many years. And I said, Mud, I just want you to know that if I don't see you again here, I'll see you in the hereafter. Right. And her face kind of dropped, and she said, well, I hope I see you up there. She said, I hope I don't end up in the other place and look <laughs> down at the ground. And I thought, really, it, you know, and if Maud fears death, how many other people do? So, yeah, if we just drop fear, think how that elevates the consciousness of humanity and then helps us realize there is no separation, all that love and help that is right there waiting for us. Yes, yes. It's so true what you said about fear. Um, I think I shared with you from a very young age, I followed my inner guidance. Didn't know what to call it at that age. But in 2001, shortly after 9-11, uh, spirit, it was inside, <laughs> a calling inside saying, turn off the news and don't ever turn it back on. Now, this was before my awakening to oneness. I was still like, I, but I felt it. I, I felt spirit telling me to turn off the news, don't turn it back on. I said aloud, why? I had no clue but I was obedient. I have not watched mainstream news since 2001. And then it was many, many years later, but I understand why. The news is designed, mainstream news is designed to keep the masses in a state of fear. Because when you're in a state of fear, your energy is low and you, that's how we give over our power. We are such powerful beings. We are divine light. We are, we're endless power. But we don't know this because we we stay in a state of fear. And if you watch that news, six o'clock, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock news, you're gonna look like you're a bundle of putty, you know, because that's it, and it's designed to do that. <laughs> well, they know that sensationalism sells, and some people are hooked to it. And um, you heard me talk about the book that Dr. Schwartz and I wrote, Greater Reality Living, and one of the the many strategies and pieces of information in there as to how to live a life that's more consistent with our true nature is to, yes, minimize media uh, exposure um, and not expose ourselves to that so much. The I mentioned the addiction, and this, you know, to my way of thinking, this is part of the holistic cause of so many children, whether it's ADHD, autism, the school shootings and so on, you know, there's addiction to white sugar and flour. There's addiction to uh, computer games uh, for some porn. They're just, they're like that and they want their next fix and the news is part of that. 
I think that's partly how some of the quote leaders we have right now can get away with what they're doing because they are stimulating, entertaining people, even right. though it's, it's bizarre, it's stimulating. I mean, it really, if we look at society as a whole and see what we are feeding, breastfeeding our children, looking at not just cartoons, the video games. I have a nine-year-old grandson. He knows when he comes to visit me, Ma. No, okay, what are you watching? No, I even monitor the cartoons. Have you ever looked and seen how much violence is in a cartoon? And yep. the video, it's, it's insane. Yeah. This is what we're breastfeeding our, our <laughs> children. Then we wonder why they go to school with guns. Really? It's society. And it's, it's just going, me. <laughs> going to take a big, um, a big solution. I, I think you'll appreciate this. In February of 2018, I was in Tucson. I had been working a lot with uh, Gary and Rhonda Schwartz and the team. And so Rhonda offered to allow me to ask questions of the A team. Now, no one else had ever done this because they had always been focused on the technology to date. Uh, and so I thought for weeks, I knew ahead, oh my gosh, if I could ask this group, because we're talking Nikola Tesla, uh, you know, some of the, the greatest names ever, what would I ask? Uh, so the evening came and I asked, and um, Rhonda said some of the main ones there were Edison, Einstein, Tesla and also David Bohm, who is a Princeton mathematician and quantum physicist, a colleague of Krishnamurti, so he's a student of Hinduism as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so my first question was, how can we uh, make our world a better place? How can we achieve world peace? And Einstein answered the group and he said, that's a tough one. He said, I noticed that life is no better than when I was on Earth. And really, we don't have any magical solutions. All I can tell you is follow your heart, do what you feel called to do, and know that's enough. And frankly, I was a little disappointed. I thought, you're Albert Einstein, for God's sake. You know, plus, <clears throat> plus you're not functioning anymore with this limited brain and the filtration system therein. Uh, but I went on to the next question. I said, all right. Uh, Dr. Schwartz and I are getting ready to publish this book, Greater Reality Living. And uh, my question is, is there anything we're missing in it? Well, Rhonda said, Mark, you have to realize that even though they've uh, graduated from Earth School, they're not omniscient. They've been so focused on everything they're doing. Uh, could you just give them a, a, a brief review of what's in the book? I said, sure, that's easy. Because we use an acronym called LIVES as in all lives matter. Yes. Uh, and we have not just one, but many lives. Yes. <clears throat> and I said the L stands for learn the evidence, learn the collective scientific, clinical, and experiential evidence that clearly shows a life continues. Right. The I stands for internalize. Now, we don't want people just to have a dry intellectual knowing. We want people to have a deep internalized knowing so when it hits the fan, as it invariably does, you have what it takes to deal with that. You know, you're, you're building your house on rock instead of shifting sand. The V stands for vitalize yourself holistically, what we talked about, fine tune right. yourself. Uh, again, so you have the wherewithal to really get this and then brighten the corner where you are. Right. E stands for enjoy the many benefits, some of which we've mentioned, and S, serve others and make the world a better place. Yes. When I finished that brief review, Einstein shouted excitedly through Rhonda, that's it. You just answered your first question. Okay. Very and good. It took me a moment to realize what he was saying. Oh, my God. Uh, they continued. Bohm said, Run, don't walk. Share this with as many people as possible because, yes, you two have come up with a comprehensive solution for the, the world's different problems with this live formula. <clears throat> Boom said, you will have critics just like we did when we were alive. Let their words uh, run off your back like water off a duck's back. Right. 
Yes. And then we asked, um, I asked, once we have suitable technology, will you all be able and willing to provide webinars so that we can ask, for example, Nikola Tesla, how can we achieve free energy and be free of all that? How can we solve pollution, global warming, et cetera? And Rhonda started laughing and she said, they're pushing each other out of the way to get first in line. <laughs> and Tesla said, if you think I came up with some amazing invention while I was on earth, wait till you see what I've been working on here. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of huge changes that await us and why we're um, having these Greater Rowdy Living groups. Again, the, the website, greaterrowdyliving.com, right. forming local groups around the world and on, so also online groups mm -hmm. to meet and learn this information, learn the lives formula, share their personal experiences. Because what we found is that so many people don't have others they can talk with about this. Mm -hmm. They feel isolated and they fear that if they share their personal experiences like after-death communications, near-death experience, whatever, um, they will be just as kooky or crazy when it turns out so many people have had these. And then also a place where people can consider how can we improve our community? And as enough places around the world do that, guess what? The world comes together. Yes. Well, it's, it's I, I, everything you just said is resonating so much. The reason I launched my show was because I wanted to have conversations like this um, with the world and share these conversations with the world. But I also, I did my first talk. It's interesting that your question, I, uh, your first question to, um, I forget, to Einstein, the title of my talk was The Solution to All the World's Problems. That's the title of my talk. And mm -hmm. it's extremely simple solution. It's when, okay, science, all right, I, I talked about the science, science, ancient wisdom, spirituality, and all religions at the core of all religions tell us and teach us we are all one. The simple thing, and once the person knows that that other person you thought was separate than you is not, that other person is a part of you and a part of all that is, my term for God is all that is. There is nothing separate from God. And once it's a simple understanding, and everywhere you look, science, spirituality, ancient wisdom, all speaks about oneness to me it's very simple and once the humanity awakens to that simple truth that we're all one that'll solve all of, that'll we'll have no more war there'll be no more poverty there'll be no more hunger there'll be no more sickness it'll solve all of our problems overnight i agree so, and understanding that makes the wisdom of following the golden rule to be common sense and what I call the updated golden rule. Um, do treat others the way they would like to be treated. You know, when I was a little kid, like do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And I thought, well, what I would have done to me may not be the way somebody else wants to be treated. So yeah, treat others the way they would like to be treated. Right, and unconditional love kind of fulfills that. Unconditional love, unconditional non-judgment, unconditional forgiveness, all of these come into play when you realize that other is just me. When I'm forgiving another, I'm only forgiving me because that other is just a part of me. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, it comes right back. Um, like share a quick story. I, um, I lost my hearing uh, part of it when I was young after having uh, several uh, viral infections as a child and uh, so I wear hearing aids and mm, last year I had a um, a young lady come in about 25 years of age for a uh, for a treatment a nutrition session mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. when she came in she sat right in front of me she said 
you'll have to talk really loudly right in front of me. I forgot my hearing aid, so I'll be lip reading. I said, okay, I can do that. You know, I understand. And when we got done, I mentioned to our acupuncturist, um, she said she forgot her hearing aid, so I had to really yell. And, and the acupuncturist said, I don't think she can afford them. She tells me that every time she comes in. Okay. And I thought, Mm-mm, not on my watch, you know, because I had a backup pair. Okay. And so I called my audiologist and told her the situation. I said, would you give her a discount? I'll donate my hearing aids, which cost $4,000. Wow. Um, and my audiologist, Julie, said, by all means. So this uh, young girl uh, made the appointment then. And I got a call that afternoon, and she said, I'm sitting in the car with my sister and mom. We've been crying with joy for 45 minutes. I can hear for the first time. And what I felt was pure joy. And I thought, oh, my God, what a wonderful feeling. So you're right. When we we, um, love one another, help one another, we uh, benefit as much as anyone so it's it's a wonderful deal and you know with shows like yours with all the exciting like the soul phone project going on uh, i really think we have a shot at, at making this happen on a large scale yes i i do i i mean i see it i honestly see it in so many different um ways i see so many not just one technology but several different technologies developing around the same time and when you when you asked um what's his name tesla i love tesla <laughs> i did a lot of research on tesla about the free energy from my understanding again i'm not a scientist i and i explain everything from a very layman's term because i am a layman um but from my understanding um, there are people here in the physical that already know how to have free energy. It's just being that technology is being suppressed. Like um, you talked about the food, the, the, the white sugar, the flour. We all know this is poison for our system, but it's the quote unquote powers that be. And I, I say quote unquote because for me, they're not separate. The shadow side, I like to use the yin and yang symbol. The yin and yang symbol is equally white and equally dark, equally black, equal. It's, it's, the, it's that balance between the two. And it's not separate. It's all what we, what appears to be our shadow side, which is trying to suppress things like free energy, the knowledge of, well, to me, it's so, you have the internet. Why are people putting this poison in their body and then going to the doctor and getting on pharmaceutical drugs for life? Um, food and Drug Administration, they're in bed together, food and drug. Okay, we'll give you junk food so you can stay on our drugs for the rest of your life. It's a no-brainer, but people are doing it in masses. It's just like leading sheep to the slaughter but the knowledge is already there we have the knowledge you know it's just a matter let me wake up and stop doing this because let me take back my power it has to be on an individual basis take back my power i'm gonna start eating healthy i'm gonna start buying holistic uh non-gmo at least non-gmo if you can't buy organic non-gmo i mean it's just yeah. Uh, <clears throat> could it be that these challenges exist so we have so we have the opportunity to wake up yes. you know, experience what we don't want so we can't experience what we have exactly I need to be moving on but i yes really yes you you uh, have me on your show and sharing thank information with others thank you can you please share again where they can find your research on the soul phone. Share that website again with the listeners. You bet, soulphone.org. And then uh, the website for the Greater Reality Living Groups, greaterrealityliving.com. So yeah, those two websites right there cover a lot of bases and help people learn how they can join in and assist reaching these goals we talked about personally, 
and planetary. Collectively, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very interested in the, the upcoming events in 2020. I think 2020 is going to be a big year. Yeah. <laughs> thank well, thank you. you for being such a bright light, Caroline. And thank you, Mark, for all the wonderful work you're doing. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Peace, peace and love. Talk to you. Maybe I'll see you soon, too, at an event. Thank <laughs> you.